Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty on this fine Monday. I'm one of your hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the beloved one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Hey, what's up, y'all? How does it feel to know just about everything except for everything? It, it feels pretty good, as usual. Also, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty tired. Got to. I just wanted you know. to get that in there. Yeah. So you didn't feel like I don't care about how you feel. <laughs> we went down to Chattanooga this weekend, and I got a solid four hours of sleep last night, and uh, you know came in and did all the did all the stuff this morning. So it's been a been a long day all already, but I you know I'm excited to talk about this very first topic. I noticed. I'm how not you excited. I'm upset. I noticed whatever. how you didn't come in with optimism. You were like, yeah, I didn't get much sleep. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, that's the first thing on my mind right now is just not getting much sleep. You're but just the truth That's teller. it. That's it. Just a little bit yeah. of truth for you. I got to tell you. I just remembered I didn't put my phone on airplane mode. I don't know if that's going to matter today, but I know for sure it's not on airplane mode because I just thought about it. I didn't mm. do it. We use our phones to record the video because they got pretty good cameras mm. on them these days, you know? Anyway, don't please. Please you shouldn't have announced it. You just let the troll. Dang it! I have to let you know. Talking about how you feel, um, I went when I went to church on Sunday, and uh, I was walking in. the uh, The parking guy was like, "One of the churches we can do. We both did, by the way. Nice. I mean, I went on Saturday. Oh, but, you, you went know. on the Lord's Day. You know, yeah, I went on the the Saturday. actual seventh day of the week." I went on so, the Satanic Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyway, the parking guy was like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, doing pretty good. How are you? He's like, better than I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Better than I deserve. That's a good answer. It's just a, that's a cheesy dad line. Oh, it is for sure. Better than I deserve. Well, and uh, uh, he probably listens to the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you are. Whatever. Did you tell him he deserved it? Did you tell him he's a good guy? sit down and talk to him i kind of gave one of those dad chuckles yeah you know i was like (laughs) and then i i kept going i just thought it was funny all right i deserve well that's the weekend we're gonna give you guys a better show than you deserve real quick (laughs) here we go no you know we we deserve more than this but apparently what we also deserve is other people's money so we're going to talk about different ways to get other people's money while everyone's paying attention to russia ukraine yep 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 all this other stuff the Oscars and all kinds of stuff you don't want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, one of the most monumental, stupid idea tax proposals that we've had in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to talk about things that actually matter. And so, anyway, we'll Would talk you about the things the that Oscars don't matter. Black on black crime. <laughs> <laughs> That's how about, you know it was fake. <laughs> I thought about not saying that because. Uh, but then I was well, like, well, you know what? I don't care. I'll say whatever I think is funny. Yeah, you can't even escape it at the Oscars. <laughs> All right, from the New York Times here, and I haven't uh, seen the official release yet today. Biden, you guys know that president that we have. President Joseph R. Biden is going to be proposing a minimum tax on billionaires in the White House's budget proposal. A minimum tax on billionaires. Now, we know this as other things. We might call it an unrealized gains, unrealized capital gains tax, something like that. But that's not what they're going to call it. Okay, they're going to talk about income. 
So we'll uh, we'll go through this whole thing. Now, remember, this is a White House budget proposal. This is not a law that's being voted on right now. I don't know that this is actually something that would pass through Congress, although it's sure to be something that will be used through the midterms as something that you'll have to vote for Democrats to be able to get this. And this is how we're going to solve all the problems in the country, because obviously the wealthy they have all the money. No one else can get to it. And if we just had their money, then we'd be able to give you all of these things. And that's the, the problem is we don't have enough money. Yeah. That we, we, we need to spend more and we can't because of those billionaire hoarders. Mm-hmm. Never yeah. mind the fact that if we took all of their wealth, it wouldn't matter. It yeah. wouldn't even fund the government for an entire year. But, uh, and then they'd be gone, by the way. Yeah, like all that wealth would be literally gone. It would transfer to some of the right people who had friends in the right places, you know. And then they wasted somewhere. In Ukraine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so from the New York Times, which is what we'll be going off of here, we also got a couple excerpts from CNBC and WAPO inside of this. But anyway, the White House will ask Congress on Monday to pass a new minimum tax on billionaires as part of a budget proposal intended to revitalize President Biden's domestic agenda and reduce the deficit. All right. A tax. They can't propose any kind of spending cuts. No, no. The only way to reduce the deficit is by collecting more money from Mm. the people. That's the only possible way to reduce a deficit. The tax would require that American households worth more than $100 million, worth more than $100 million, pay a rate of at least 20% on their income as well as unrealized gains in the value of their liquid assets. The the New York Times is printing right there, as well as unrealized Mm -hmm. gains. The billionaire minimum income tax would apply only to the top 100th of 1% of American households. And over half of the revenue would come from those worth more than $1 billion. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, as they say, you know. This has never happened before, ever in the history of the U.S. Those already paying more than 20% would not owe any additional taxes, although those paying below that level would have to pay the difference between their current tax rate and the new 20% rate. In a document outlining the minimum tax, the White House called it a a prepayment of tax obligations these households will owe when they later realize their gains. Now, that's a... That's a good, there's a good question here. I'm going to have to see what the actual proposal is going to outline, but does that mean that you get to take that off of your capital gains taxes later on in life when you do realize the gains, since this is a prepayment? And what if you realize a loss? I don't know. you get a tax credit to get that money back? That's a really great question. There's really no way of knowing, and something tells me it's going to be just wide open for all types of interpretation. Quote, this approach means that the very wealthiest Americans pay taxes as they go, just like everyone else. A little clip here, not clip, but a little excerpt from CNBC. They said the minimum tax would make sure the wealthiest Americans no longer pay a tax rate lower than teachers and firefighters. Which they don't, by the way. The document said the proposed levy is expected to reduce the deficit by about $360 billion in the next decade. According to the document. In the next decade. So $36 billion a year. And how quickly do we spend $36 billion? Uh, about a day and a half. Uh, maybe two days. Two, yeah, about two days. Two days. 
Yeah, something like that. So we'll save so, two days a year. It's a really big difference. Over the next 10 years. Huge deal. If a wealthy household is already paying 20%, they won't pay any additional tax under the proposal. If they pay less than 20%, they owe a top-up payment. So just go ahead and bump that up to whatever the minimum is. Quote, as a result, this new minimum tax will eliminate the ability for the unrealized income of ultra-high net worth households to go untaxed for decades or generations. The document stated, you know, there's a reason they call it unrealized income. They Now they're called unrealized income. I just fell into yeah. that trap right mm. there. It's You don't even know that they're ever actually going to take it. You don't. Mm. They might not. For instance, something like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook gave back all of their gains since the pandemic started. Now, they might be a little bit above that right now, but they would have given back all of that. Plus, Zuckerberg would have lost whatever he had to pay inside of that tax because he would have had a bunch of gains. And then he lost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how does this work? Yeah. (laughs) And then on top of that, he would have to sell shares to pay the obligated gains tax. We just call it. Amanda Uh, said it's not real. Can we just call it unreal income? Yeah. How about that? Not unrealized. A little uh, paragraph here from WAPO. The White House Office of Management and Budget and Council of Economic Advisors estimated this fall that 400 billionaire families paid an average federal tax rate of just over 8% of their income between 2010 and 2018. That rate is lower than the rate paid by millions of Americans. Now, I went into all the stuff from there. So, what are they counting as income? This is from this little document here. So, they, and from this 8% number, they say an important feature of our, our analysis that is less common in existing estimates of tax rates is that we included untaxed, unrealized capital gains income in our more unrealized, un, unrealized capital gains income in our more comprehensive income measure as they accrue. Mm. Now, if they were unrealized, how were they income? That's that's just something that I want to, like, if they realized them, then there was income and there's a capital gains tax for that. But they're counting unrealized capital gains, meaning it wasn't income to the people. It's Fugazi. Yes. It's, it's, it's fairy dust. It's ridiculous. It's just numbers on a screen that are floating around. Let's say this change day by day. The important feature is less common in existing estimates. That's because it's not actual money that the people took in. That's why it's not common in existing estimates. They decided to add unrealized gains in someone's income. And then they said that people pay an 8% tax rate on their income, which includes money that they didn't take in. Includes money. It's literally not real. (laughs) Like (laughs) literally not real. It's, it's insane. Now, I want to tell you guys something. Uh, they're selling this as on people that make more than $100 million a year. Mm. That's how they're going to, that's what they're going to do first, just like they did in 1913. Okay. Now, you have to look at history to understand where they're going to go with this. Eventually, it's going to come out of your 401k or IRA or whatever you put in savings or out of your house. You know, if you bought a house and you have future gains on it or whatever, unrealized capital gains on your family home or whatever it may be, it's go- they're going to come for you next. Yeah. Okay. And they may, 
They may lower the threshold down to people making them more than a million, and then they'll lower it to people making more than a hundred thousand, and then it'll literally, it'll literally apply to everyone, just like they did with the income tax in 1913. It took a little while to get there, but you know what? This is how they do it step by step. And it's not like we're sitting here defending billionaires. Like I'm not, I'm not a billionaire shill. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah, right. that. And you know there are smart people that work their way out of paying taxes. And I think that's fantastic because taxation is theft. However, it's not just about the billionaires. The reason why we're arguing for this is because I know I'm telling you right now, March 27th, 28th. What's today? It's the 28th currently 28th, 2022 that they're going to come for you next. Mm hmm. Because that's where all the actual money, they've got to get to the middle class sometime. That's where the, the mm -hmm. money is. They, they've been dancing around it for a while. But they're, gonna, they're going to create, like what Charlie's saying, they'll create this and then they'll fudge the numbers a little bit. <laughs> they'll inflate the currency to where, you know, everyone who's got over $100 million in that worth yeah. <laughs> doesn't really mean anything anymore. But, uh, you know, they'll, they'll move it down just like they always have. And... The prophet, when, the prophet Amanda, she wrote the thing for this a year ago. You said we're not defending billionaires, and this is actually something that I wanted to to talk about because what they do is they say this is only going to affect uh, one one hundredth of one percent of the uh, of the households that are out there, and that part doesn't really matter. There is a principle here. There's a principle of self ownership of property rights of not agreeing with taxation. And that's got to be taken all the way to its to its furthest extremes, even to the people that it's not popular to defend. And it's not popular to defend the billionaires and big corporations and stuff like that. They've got property rights also. And this is where it starts. And you're okay with that for a minute. And then it starts to bleed down to everyone else. But the problem is you were okay with it when this happened. And so if you want to stop these things from happening, you've got to be against these things, even when it's unpopular to be against these things, because you have no idea what line they're going to draw and how they're going to move that line to affect you later on. So even when it's unpopular, it's important to stop these things before they start. And this is how they're going to start it. And it'll be more popular because it's hardly going to affect anyone is what they're going to sell. It's not going to directly affect anyone. Unless, you know, you have money in the stock market and a retirement or anything, this is going to be really, really bad for the mm. stock market yeah. overall. Look at, so, and a, a good example is uh, Elon Musk selling shares so he could pay his tax bill, right? He sold, so I can't remember what the tax bill was, I think $11 billion, something like that. Tesla dropped 35% starting uh, a day after he announced he was going to sell shares. Actually, that's when the whole market started dropping by a lot. And I'm not trying to say that those things are all connected, mm -hmm. okay? But Tesla was on a really nice run, and somehow they dropped like 35 40% right after he announced that he was going to sell shares for tax, for tax purposes. Now, imagine that being every single company that there was out there and people selling shares so they can pay this because the people don't just have the money in the bank, that they've got it in stocks. They've got it in these little pieces of paper, really just on an online account, saying that they have this wealth and they're going to have to sell the shares to pay the tax. And 
while that might not mean a lot to everyone, it, it, it does mean something because millions of people have money in their 401ks. What do you think pensions are invested in? How do they guarantee these 8% returns that they don't even make sometimes? They're, they're invested in different markets. And these people with the big money are going to have to sell their shares. They're going to flood the market with supply when they do that. And if the demand is the same and they flood the market with the supply, then the prices of everything are going to come down. And that's going to include people's retirements when that happens. That's economics one. <clears throat> yes. <it is. laughs> so, and look, I, let me clarify. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, not defending billionaires. What I was saying is I'm not only defending billionaires. Yeah. Because a lot of the a lot of the backlash will come as like, "Oh, well you're just you're just defending greedy billionaires. Like I can't listen to you." You're just it's looking like, that corporate boot. Yeah, and and I'm not my my prerogative is that I'm not only defending billionaires. While I'm defending billionaires, I'm defending you. Every single one of you. Because what I'm telling you is that's going to happen is exactly what's happened in the past. That's what I love about the give me liberty, give me death by Patrick Henry. It's not only the line of give me liberty, give me death. He talks about how he has no way of judging the future, but by the past. And what are the, what are, what exactly happened in the past that you can see those steps starting to be implemented right now? And what can you derive could be a potential future outcome. They're coming after you mm -hmm. next. And so there's, there's only a guys and the people who are billionaires and well-connected, they'll figure out a way around this. Either they'll move everything off uh, out, out of America. Well, that's why they want that global minimum tax also. Yeah. So they, they're trying to stop that from happening. They'll move their wealth into something else. They'll find ways around this. The people that have a hard time finding ways around these types of things are you. Yeah. Average Americans. And uh, just, yeah, just like some of the group is saying that if they impact the 401ks, which they will, they get a reason for more social security justifications and taxes. And this is, I don't know that there's just a bunch of people in a room thinking all of this stuff up for a way to push everyone onto dependency with the government, with government programs, but it's generally what they just do. And I, I think it's more of a natural thing that happens. I think that's the, the natural way that, that this kind of power structure moves is to push people into more dependency. And well, it seems the more like money this, in, the more money in the government coffers, the more money they have access to, mm -hmm. to take. Yeah. And, and and so I don't know if it's just a natural thing that happens or if this is some kind of grand master plan that just happens and they they need everyone to be dependent on government. But yeah, your 401ks, that's going to be really bad for them. I, I guess we got to depend more on Social Security. You know, we got to take more money away for Social Security and, and all of that. This is going to hurt investment, innovation across the board. Listen, here's what you're doing. You're taking money from the private sector, the innovation and investment sector, which they are generally pretty good at creating new things and creating better lives for more people. And you're going to transfer the money that's in that investment and innovation in the private sector, and you're going to transfer it into the public sector. And they're going to take that money and they're going to set it on fire, like we always mm -hmm. say. That's what they're going to do. So you're going to take money well, that they're going to give it to their well-connected folks. Yes. Which in turn gives it back to them. Yes. That's how it works. And so you're going to take money that was going to be used for new things, for new companies, for new creations, and you're going to take it and you're going to give it to the government and then they're going to waste it, like they always do. And so while... Our path might still be better 
the future might still be better than it is right now. It's not going to be as good as what it could have been if they wouldn't have been doing that. And that's the unseen. That's the thing that you don't really know. Where would we be right now if the government hadn't taken over $100 trillion from everyone over the, over the last little bit? What would we be doing right now? You know, maybe it looks some, more similar to the Jetsons or something. We'd be flying around in little space cars and all that. I don't know. I, I think I we'd have, we would at least have roads that would fix themselves and, <laughs> and they would melt snow on their own. There's an issue with whether or not this is going to be constitutional. You know, that's, I think that this will be easily challenged. The, uh, the 16th Amendment does not cover this. It covers incomes unless they redefine income. So as you can tell in this proposal, inside of incomes, they are counting money that you actually didn't take in, but they're calling it income. And it's so unrealized income instead of yes, unrealized gains. Unrealized income. Yeah, bless America. <laughs> Baby Jesus, help us out. And so if they redefine this, I think that'll still go to a Supreme Court case. But, uh, you know, they with the Obamacare law, what was it? They weren't allowed to charge the fee or whatever it was. But they could call the tax, and then it was constitutional. Mm. So all they got to do is redefine a few words here. Like, oh, we can't do a wealth tax. That's not constitutional. We can't do an unrealized capital gain. But... You know, the definition of income, I see, well, that just changed back in uh, March of 2022. Uh, they, you know, the definition of income, the capital gains, unrealized or realized, that's included in, in income. And so, therefore, this is just an income tax. So it fits underneath the 16th Amendment. Mm. I don't know. I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to do that. We'll see when that get, when that gets. I also saw some, uh, some good uh, arguments as far as the Fifth Amendment went to, that they couldn't just take property away from people, and that's essentially what they were going to be doing without uh, giving just compensation for it. And and if they gave just compensation for the property that they're essentially taking away from people when they do this, then that would just be a wash. So I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. The fact that they're, the fact that this is popular enough for not just Elizabeth Warren and Ron Wyden was in on this as well, and Bernie and all these crazies to be proposing it, but for this to actually be coming out from the White House, and you know that they've done all their polling and everything on this, and since it's only going to affect, you know, seven these seven hundred billionaires or some other people over a hundred million dollars, well, that's fine. It doesn't affect me. I guess that's fine. I'll be able to get all my free government stuff, and it's not going to cost me anything. Yeah, tax the rich. It's their fault. Back on what you were saying earlier, which is like, I don't know if this is some kind of grandmaster plan where you have people in a room, you know, with a new world order deciding <laughs> everything or whatever. I, I think you said it's a natural occurrence, which basically to me, if you can just look at it from a self-interested point of view, which we all are, by the way, we're all self-interested. The problem here is you have certain people who have more power than they ever should have had, way more power than they've ever should have. And their self-interest is to connect their people with the money supply. Okay. And this is why you see things and, and you know, you can learn a lot through all these wars that's been going on and all kinds of things. It's the well-connected folks who end up getting the money that turn around and donate to campaign. I mean, look, look at the Clinton foundation who have received probably billions of dollars now in donations that they received, I believe, over $100 million for Haiti alone, and they built four houses, by the way. It was something ridiculous like something, that. Something like yeah. that. So yeah. tell me, where did that money go? And it's like, well, nothing to see here. We can't inve we, we're not going to investigate them. That's the Clintons. 
they're doing well, good things. We'll be folks. talking about the Bidens here at the end of the podcast, also from Biden to Biden. Mm-hmm. So we'll be we'll be talking about that dust to dust. So it's just a, it's just a combination of self interest people who have way too much power who are able to finagle things in a direction that that creates more money and that is closer to them that they're able to give out to people that are connected to them, which in turn will give it back to them in a way. And yeah. so there's, they don't, they don't care if the stock market goes down. They don't care at all. Right. That all they care is about increasing their own wealth and then setting their families up. The other thing. So in this proposal, which the official proposal, I don't think it's been uh, put out yet, but it's supposed to come out sometime today. They're saying that the budget and with all of these tax little things they're wanting to throw in, they're going to reduce the deficit by $1 trillion over 10 years with this proposal. Now, in 2021, the deficit was $2.8 trillion. And in 2020, the deficit was $3.1 trillion. Okay, they're talking about reducing the deficit by $1 trillion over 10 years. That's not enough. That's not a hundred, a hundred billion a year. It's not enough. Well, first of all, you know, their estimates are wrong. Yeah. They're not so even going to do that. It's going to be close, but because there are going to be new things that happen in the next 10 years, they don't stop proposing new things to spend money on. It's not like, Oh, this is all the money we're ever going to need to spend. So we're going to be able to reduce it by, no, there's going to be some new emergency. We got to spend new money on At, by the end of this year, there's going to be some kind of new emergency we got to spend money on that's not included in this. There's a new variant coming. Yeah, it's the same thing every year. Like, there's their budget's not going to be reduced a trillion dollars by this idea. And that's what if they average? What if they reduce it a little bit? We average two point five trillion over the next ten years. That's a lot of freaking money right there. They're going to reduce it by one trillion over ten years from what it would be if they wouldn't do this. So instead of 25, it's going to be 24 in debt that we're going to rack up. That ain't enough, man. They got to stop spending some of this money. Well, that's why they need all the billionaires' money. The only, there isn't enough money to do this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what grandmaster tax they put out there. It ain't enough. It's not possible. It's not possible for them to do. They have to stop spending so much money. You heard it here first from Nate Thurston's own mouth. It tanked enough, man. It ain't. Let's go on to this. All right. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention this uh, Kyrie Irving thing. This because, is a. Uh, uh, I guess a local. The city. NYC. Yeah. So a little local paper here, just for New York City. Eric Adams, Kyrie Carveout has NYC unions and workers fuming. Mm. Mm. Mayor Eric Adams said Thursday at a press conference held at City Field that the change would level the playing field for athletes like Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving, who has been unable to play home games because he's unvaccinated. So just a backstory on this. They're allowing Kyrie Irving and other, other New York teams, if they're unvaccinated, they can now play in New York, which they weren't allowed to before. Mm. And so that's, that's what this is uh, addressing here. By allowing home players and artistic performers, including musicians and DJs, to work, it would boost the entire economy, the mayor said. <laughs> well, no shit! <laughs> oh my god. What did that say again? I just want to make sure everyone's paying attention. By allowing home players and artistic performers, including musicians and DJs, to work, it would boost the entire economy, the mayor said, after we shut it down for two years. 
Quote, we're doing it because the city has to function. Adams said, well, what about the deaths? What about the sick? They're choosing profits over lives right now. We're know. leading the entire country for the most part in unemployment. Well, imagine that. I wonder why. Well, they'll fix it now by letting the uh, artists and, and, uh, and performers, the, uh, the players to yeah. play. You know, so the unemployment rate's going to go down now. But it only extends to performers and athletes, leaving out every other public and private employee who lost their job because they didn't get the jab. More than 1,400 city employees lost their jobs for remaining unvaccinated. Quote, if the rules are going to be suspended, particularly for people with influence, when the UFT and other city unions are ready to discuss how exceptions could be applied to city workers, um, that was it. Yeah. I thought there was more to that. <laughs> that's, that's what the United Federation of Teachers said. So they, um, record show city hall officials were lobbied on behalf of the Brooklyn Nets by the Parkside Group and former city council speaker Corey Johnson, who launched his own lobbying firm, Kojo Strategies LLC, after his term ended in December. So people with money <laughs> bribing the government mm -hmm. to at least make an exception for them. City Conflicts of Interest board rules bar Johnson from lobbying the city council for a year, but, is he, but he is allowed to try to sway the mayor. Just not the city council. Just not the council. And then the mayor can sway the council. Adams and his team said the decision was based on the city's economic recovery and health considerations. The mayor also denied that he was swayed by any lobbying to change the rule. There's no way he was swayed, folks. No. Hold on, real soon. This is a good that. time to say this. This is from uh, one month ago. Eric Adams will do anything for a Nets title except give Kyrie Irving special treatment. Won't do it. Not going to do it. All right. The signs probably changed. Yeah. That's probably it. The mayoral executive, executive order announcing the change cited a, quote, competitive advantage that visiting teams had against the city's home teams. Under the previous policy, unvaccinated players on a visiting teams could play while players on home teams who hadn't gotten the shot were sidelined. Quote, any obstacle in doing business and being able to operate and manage and being able to receive business makes a difficult situation already complicated. Let me read that again. Any obstacle in doing business and being able to operate and manage and being able to receive business makes a difficult situation already complicated. Well, that's what you did when you shut everything down for two years. Mm -hmm. Quote, any lifting of any mandate is going to help improve the ease of doing business. Every little thing that we had to do to stop the spread was difficult for operators and businesses that operated a social economy. It... <laughs> Everything we had to do to stop the spread, which didn't work, by the way. Yeah. And now this whole narrative that you had to uh, sway the people with, that everything had to be shut down, businesses had to close, you couldn't do anything if you were unvaccinated, this whole entire campaign is now thrown to the wayside because they realize, well, it's not working. Yeah. So it's not working. We can't force the people to do things we don't want to do, especially superstars with a lot of money who could help the Nets win a championship for the city of Brooklyn? Well, well, we have to let them play. That's unfair that they're not playing. Never mind everyone else who was completely impacted by this. And um, wow, isn't this uh, just another one of those I told you so moments?
Yeah, it's you just have to know people in higher up places that can come and lobby for you and get special exemptions from rules that the government has. And other people, they just, you know, they're SOL, man. And what we're arguing for is that the, the government shouldn't have the power for the, to put in place these types of rules. Yeah. What I am on wondering, anyone. <clears throat> could I be annoying for a minute? Do you mind? Go ahead. I just draw an annoying. Listen, I'm not saying that matches up. But listen, there's rules for everyone inside of the New York economy, right? They've got to be vaccinated to participate in the economy. They're drawing this little carve out because someone's got some friends in some higher up places or the mayor just wants to see the Nets win. That old Garth Brooks song. <clears throat> so they got I've friends. Got friends. In high, high places. In high places. Places, which you got to do if you do <laughs> yeah. that. So, I mean, do we agree with Kyrie being able to play, right? Even Abs- though he's unvaccinated? Absolutely. Like, are you mad that they're going to allow him to play? Nope. I think huh. he should play. Isn't that unfair for sure. everyone? Yeah, but he's getting out of jail. Yeah. We can't put him back in jail to make it I fair. Mean, but wouldn't it be fair to make sure that he also can't perform anything until... We fix it for everyone. Like th- we can't allow him to get out of this when everyone else has to do this. So we have to keep him in jail, right? That's what we got to do. That's no. the way to fix it. No. Kind of sounds like the corporate welfare argument sure to me. It does, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it just seems kind of weird because you know, I'm glad that he was able to get out of this prison that he was put in, and he's allowed to go do his stuff. That happened because. Uh, that he's, he's allowed to work. He's an important person. That's why it happened. And some important people talk to some other important people to allow him to do this. And that is unfair to everyone else who is not able to do their job right now. We're probably still okay with him being able to do this. They worked out a deal. They worked out a deal. I don't know. It sounds like corporate welfare to me, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? That's what it feels like. I'm just saying he's receiving special treatment and... Would the answer be to make sure that he can't receive the special treatment at all? That he can, has to continue to not play? I think some would argue that, but uh, that's not the case. Anytime that you're able to get out of prison yeah, for wrongfully being put there to begin with, we should celebrate that and then hope to get everyone else out of the prison. And so this is the exact reason that I don't want to attack. I know this is annoying. I put in the notes. Let's draw an annoying parallel between this and corporate welfare. That's what it says. Here's what you're going to see now. People are going to see that he was able to get out of this and he's going to be able to work. And now people are saying, well, since he was able to do this, we should get out of this stupid government rule also. And then we get to a place of more fairness because everyone got out of the the government rule. Instead, what I would see if we were going to do corporate welfare is, all the people would join together and talking about how unfair it is that Kyrie got this and we should take it away from him. Mm. Boom. We solved the problem. Didn't we? Mm. We stopped Kyrie from getting this special treatment, man. Didn't that help? No, we need to let the people see that that is also how they should be treated. Amen. And a woman, just like the mayors of these places, LA, New York, uh, that are going out without masks on taking pictures with folks without masks, uh, the vice president going into a children's school without a mask, taking pictures and those different types of things. It's like 
it's not about them not wearing the mask. It's everyone else that's forced to. Yeah. And doesn't get treated the same as these higher ups. So we're trying to solve the problem for the regular folk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anytime we talk about the people that are in their pictures or whatever, like I'm not saying that they should have worn their mask. I'm saying they shouldn't force other people to do it either. Mm-hmm. Equal treatment for everyone. Okay. Well, let's get to a real quick conspiracy theory real quick. All right. I'm not saying that we have all the information on this. So we're just going to go through this article from the New York Post. The New York Post, as you know, massive conspiracy theorist uh, organization. They threw out this wild story about this laptop. From this, emails. Uh, some kind of crazy stuff about that. Thank God they were banned on Twitter. <clears throat> yeah, we were able during to, that time. Yeah, they're just election. So people like, couldn't share that article around. And as you see, even back then, we have Russian disinformation all over the place, mm-hmm. right? That Twitter was responsible in helping thwart. So that's part of that's in a that was a, a, an international attack. With that in mind, that happened from the New York Post. Hunter Biden helped secure funds for U.S. biolab contractor in Ukraine. Emails. Emails to prove from the laptop. By the way, New York Post has only been around for like a thousand years, <laughs> so completely false, fake news. New York Post. Russia's assertion that President Biden's son Hunter was financing biological laboratories in Ukraine was based in truth, according to emails reviewed by the Post. A trove of emails on Hunter Biden's infamous laptop found that he played a role in helping a California defense contractor analyze killer diseases and bioweapons in Ukraine. Moscow has claimed that a secret American biological warfare labs in Ukraine were a justification for its unprovoked invasion of the neighboring country. It doubled down on the accusations Thursday, claiming the labs produced biochemical weapons at the Biden family's behest. Quote, U.S. President Joe Biden himself is involved in the creation of biolaboratories in Ukraine, Russia's state Duma speaker said, according to state media. Quote, an investment fund run by his son, Hunter Biden, funded research and implementation of the United States military biological program. It is obvious that Joe Biden, as his father, as his father and the head of state, was aware of that activity. Demanding a, so they demanded a U.S. congressional investigation and White House explanation. U.S. intelligence officials had earlier dismissed Russia's messaging as war propaganda explaining that Ukraine's network of biolabs dedicated to research were not a secret and had publicly received funding from Washington. So I'm not, I'm not throwing out the secret biolabs thing right now. I just want to know whether or not it's slightly fishy what all's going on here. Doesn't it kind of smell just a little bit mm. like fish? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, that's what I'm most reminded of. That's, that's kind of what it's something yeah. stinks mm-hmm. in here right now. Okay. However, Russia's new claim that the First Sun's investment fund was involved in raising money for biolab projects in Ukraine was accurate. According to emails involving Hunter Biden's dealings in Ukraine, first obtained by the Post, initially reported by the Daily Mail on Friday. Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners invested 500K in San Francisco pathogen research company Metabiota and raised millions more through firms that included Goldman Sachs, according to the emails found on the computer. Hunter introduced Metabiota to officials at Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company, where he was a board member for a, quote, science project, unquote, involving biolabs in Ukraine, the emails show. A memo from a, a minnow from a... Memo. Memo, not a minnow and not a memo. (laughs) 
It's a memo. It's a piece I of paper. I was already reading around. the word metabiota. Yeah, I know. After that, it's throwing me off. Um, so a memo from metabiota official. A memo is just a doc, <clears throat> like a doc, like a, usually a one page document. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. I know. And a minnow is like a really, really tiny, small fish that you use to, to go fishing. Catch if you bigger want to. fish. Bait. Yeah. <laughs> a f- a is, metabi- we're talking about a this memo. Is very here. important. We're talking about a memo here. Yeah. A metabi- That's weird, though, that the minnow is a really, really small fish. You know, mm. using a memo is like a really, really small um, document that you send out to people. Isn't that weird? We I don't know. Catch bigger documents. The official <laughs> a memo. To the then vice president's son in 2014 said the company could assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia. Metabiota president uh, Mary Guti- Gutierrez also wrote to Hunter about geopolitical issues involving the company's research in the former Soviet Republic in 2014, two months after Russia invaded and annexed the Crimea region. Quote, as promised, I've prepared the attached memo, which provides an overview of Metabiota, our engagement in Ukraine, and how we can potentially leverage our team, networks, and concepts to assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia and continued integration into Western society. Her memo read. And I just wanted to say, I don't have any issue with uh, Ukraine working to become part of Western society. I don't care. And that's not a justification for war from, from Russia. I'm just... I just find all this really weird and I'm interested in more investigations. Well, it's weird how you, you know, what's maddening about this is you were shunned or kicked off Twitter or completely uh, accused of spreading lies and conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And it turns out to be true. Yeah. And the ones who were actually spreading lies and conspiracy theories there's no accountability whatsoever. The entire Russia investigation was a complete hoax. Every single thing. And we impeached a president on it. That's on you, a complete falsehood. That's all of this. All of this. Uh, I've seen all this diversion with the Trump family. We see all this talk about the, the Trump family and the sons and with Trump and all of that. And meanwhile, we have some very, very important looking corruption right here from the family, not to mention some crazy ass photos i don't know if you just see any of these photos that mm-hmm. popped out of hunter biden's laptop i haven't they are just nuts i mean listen it doesn't matter but if this were someone who uh wasn't on the left or wasn't a democrat this would be the leading news at all times pictures of say one of the trump kids doing some of this the u.s awarded 24 million dollars to metabiota later in 2014 with 300k allocated for ukrainian research projects Government spending records show the younger Biden bragged to investors that his company organized funding for Metabiota and helped it get new customers, including government agencies. Now, the former CIA officer said his father was the vice president of the U.S. and in charge of relations with Ukraine. So why was Hunter not only on the board of a suspect Ukrainian gas firm, but also hooked them up with a company working on bioweapons research? It was a guy named Sam Fattis. So... Listen, there's corruption. There's corruption here. And this is one reason that I just, I, did. I want, you know, I want to know when there is corruption inside of all this. But when you create this power, there's going to be corruption. When you're dealing out all this money, there's going to be corruption. Right now, this is very interesting to me because we are uh, constantly talking about this war that's going on where Russia is clearly attacking Ukraine. And we don't, we don't agree with that war whatsoever. But 
wouldn't it matter if any of the president's family mem- members had anything to do with what's going on there at all? I'm just saying that there needs to be more investigation. You can't let all this stuff be swept under the rug because they're going to do everything they can to sweep all of it under the rug and just keep you distracted with Trump stuff, uh, with uh, racist Republicans asking questions about women and stuff, and with uh, you know someone slapping someone on the Oscar stage. Let's just never talk about anything that actually matters. So anyway... We'll talk more about this this week. I'm, I'm, this week, I'm sure, as more stuff comes out. If you're interested, make sure you hit follow, hit subscribe, do all that. Tell a friend, tell a family member. All right. Make sure you go to join GML so you can come in here and chat live with us every single day of the week when we want to, man. Leave a rating and review if you do all those things. We'll be right back here tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.